Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. So mm-hmm. welcome back, Sex Magic Pod family. How are you all doing? I have missed you so much. This is my first episode back since my my personal hiatus and our podcast's hiatus as we have been hibernating and resting and evolving as always. I am so freaking fracking excited to talk to our guest today that's right you got, you got to get a little freaking fracking with my level of excitement I have been following this guest for a long time I am a just like such a big fan and when I put their name down on my guest list for this year I thought oh gosh like I really hope that we can get them and just have been it was just a thrill to hear that we could so Anyway, without any further ado, please welcome Miss Lena Dune. She is a bisexual submissive in a 24-7 DS relationship and a proponent of sane and healing BDSM. She goes by at Ask a Sub, which we will put in the show notes because of my Australian Canadian accent. Nobody knows what I'm going to be saying. They're just talking to a girlfriend on the phone. She goes, Ask a something. I'm like, no, no, no. Ask a Sub. So we'll put it in the show notes um, and where she makes king-centered means, gives DS relationships advice and serves as a fairy godmother to her 60K plus followers. Lena, welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here. This is the best. <laughs> what is better than sex magic? Nothing. <laughs> right? Sex magic, BDSM, mash made in heaven. Made to be. Yes. <laughs> I am so, so excited to talk to you today. I think it's fun. It's always extra thrill for me when it's someone that I'm personally like really excited about and have followed for a long time. So it's exciting to meet you like quote unquote in person yeah oh thank you so much it's <laughs> it's 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 so exciting to meet people who connect with the completely weird stuff that I do on the internet <laughs> and isn't that like so affirming I think that was probably my introduction to you you know it's a couple of years ago so I can't remember exactly like which meme it was but I remember like seeing a meme and what I love you'll all have to of course check out Lena's account but what I love so much about her memes are and do you use she, her pronouns? Because you didn't yes. have it in the bio. Just, okay, cool. I want mm-hmm. to make sure. Um, what I love so much is like you choose like really beautiful visuals. And I have like a stellium in Libra. So I'm all mm. about the aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Like her names are so visually pretty. And then the content is so like specifically relatable, like to me, particularly as like a submissive myself. So mm-hmm. I remember I saw one once. I forget which one it was. And just thinking like, oh my God someone else gets me (laughs) it can be pretty and that's really intentional actually libra energy is definitely what i'm trying to bring to it because i think people are so used to bdsm being like dark and unesthetically appealing and like you know like fet life one of the major bdsm sites is just like a dungeon of garbage it's horrible so technically and visually like it's not a great website and the people there are super questionable but yeah no it's um so like trying to be like here's a 
meme about you know active consent but we're using an image from mean girls and like just trying to bring everything in in like a way that feels like comfortable so people feel less um uncomfortable about what they like and what they want to do and and feel like they fit in because that's really important to having that sexual agency is feeling like ownership Mm -hmm. and like you belong in a space I feel like you're really nailing it. And mm-hmm. I feel the same way. Like with my clients, often the first time they see me, the first thing they'll say, I see all my clients virtually, but they'll say, oh my gosh, your office is so pretty. And like, not to my own heart, but yes, Lena did say that. I did say that. <laughs> <laughs> and I always laugh and I'm like, what did you expect? Like a dungeon with like whips and chains? Like just because we're talking sex, we're maybe talking BDSM. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we can't have like our Himalayan salt lamps. Yes candles going well whatever feels personally nourishing to us and Mm -hmm. I just really appreciate that you bring that and obviously Mm -hmm. it resonates with more people than just me because you have such a huge following it's 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 uh it's an energy of like sex as wellness and like you can use you know whips and chains for self-care also so you know and then when people feel when you use the word self-care people feel like they have a permission slip to do whatever they were planning on doing anyway but then they get to feel good about it so definitely an eye on that whips and chains for self-care also that's a great quote I'm like <laughs> that might be the that might be the episode <laughs> okay. so Lena I'd love to hear like a bit about your story and how did you just as much as you're comfortable sharing, like how did you come to BDSM? How did you decide that you were going to make memes about like BDSM sex positive content? Like tell us everything. I'm so curious about you because it's like, you're so, you keep so much of yourself out of your account, which Mm -hmm. is very intentional. Um, it's definitely there's like a little curious (laughs) (laughs) everybody gets it's what I what I the way I describe it is that like the people following the account get everything from one specific sliver of my life so that's Mm. like makes me feel like comfortable where it's like you don't have my face but you know everything about my journey with anal sex so it's like (laughs) there's like this separation that makes it easier for me to just be really honest about like one area um but yeah the, the decision to start ask a sub really came from my own like research journey within BDSM when I found my current partner I um, had been practicing in this way that was not cohered very well into BDSM structure and Mm. I had been you know just sort of like trying stuff out with various partners like oh hey why don't you spank me with like it just mid sex with like no anything just coming out of the woodwork exactly what I would tell people not to do um and I and I felt this sort of like sense of like isolation and like there was something wrong with me like and and then as I met my my current partner and I got way deeper into the research aspect of it I found that the research was not speaking to me either like Mm. I found that like the content you know when you plug in BDSM plus whatever into Google and you end up on these websites that are you know older and um a lot of times written by doms like I Mm -hmm. felt that it was sort of communicating to me that my particular aesthetic energy like wasn't welcome in this space or that I that there weren't people like me or that I was sort of trespassing somewhere that I didn't belong because um, I think a lot of BDSM education is so like fantasy driven that there isn't like this aspect of the reality of it and and people want to know you know when you to me, like when you go to these sort of traditional sources, it's like negotiation is very serious and you draw up a contract and you know, nah, 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 and it's very, um, you know, regimented and in this very specific way that would make 
personally, like if I tried to do that over like um, a cocktail at a cute bar in Silver Lake, I would probably, I would feel really weird. Right. So um, I just, I had this sense that like, I want to create a voice that speaks to people like me who want to know how to just do this stuff without all of the formalized fantasy talk around it and just be like relatable and yeah and ask a sub ask me anything ask me about what you know how I got here and why I've been doing it um because there aren't that many submissive voices educating either it's like mostly doms because obviously there's so many skills for them to you know, employ the spanking, the tying up, the rope, um, and what have you. But there's also all these soft skills to being a submissive about like owning yourself and understanding your desires and communication and all of that stuff, again, like needed to be talked about and somebody had to do it. So I, I, um, I guess it was two years ago, I, set up a Tumblr account. Um, oh, Tumblr. I miss Tumblr. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was a totally different world on Tumblr at that point in time. But I, I just took like questions that my friends had asked me about being a sub from mm. all ranging from like, you know, how can you reconcile feminism with with submission because that's not a traditional expression of power all the way to like things that like were a little bit funny but like also needed to be covered like people being like are you allowed to be on top when you are a sub <laughs> like uh yeah <laughs> yes i am but like covering these questions that my friends had asked me and so i like wrote out these questions like you know, dear Lena, blah, 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 blah. And it's me writing the question. And then I would answer it. Um, and, and from there I was like, maybe I should have an Instagram account tied to this question thing. Um, and slowly I started noticing that memes did really well with kinky people because there just weren't enough of them. Um, and, and, but the ones that performed really well were like, Zootopia kink memes which like no shade on Zootopia that's great the furry community god bless them but like for me it was like I need to see yeah I need to see like an expression of sexuality that's not like Pixar um just for Mm -hmm. my personal reasons so it was like well let's just try doing this and so that's sort of been the and it's just grown and grown and grown the more memes because people really it's like an easy way to share information I really love that. So it's, it's sort of been, an, it sounds like it's been an intersection in your personal education journey. And then like, as you're getting that advice and resources, being able to distribute it out to other folks as well. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because reclamation is such an important part of my personal and professional work. And I feel like particularly in the example questions that you just gave that people ask to me, they're all about that reclamation of power and I think we often Mm -hmm. particularly for folks that aren't educated in BDSM they sort of confer submission conflate excuse me submission with what do I want to say like just like lack of presence and lack of enjoyment Mm -hmm. and lack of Mm -hmm. fulfillment and and like you're a like being a sex toy, I guess. Yeah, it's passive. Pa- mm-hmm. Yeah, really passive, but like not even present. Like so mm-hmm. passive, you're not even present. And for me personally, it's been 
nothing but the opposite. It's been like an incredible reconfirmation of my power through being submissive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you found that same experience in yourself? And then that's yeah. sort of like answering those questions from everyone. It's like constantly giving them permission to like, yes, you can use your yeah. power in this way. Absolutely. It's it's something like uh you go through phases um something i wasn't prepared for in terms of giving advice um which is what most of it has turned most of the work has turned into over time is that you get the same questions every single time and it's yeah. not necessarily <laughs> that people haven't read what you've said but they're definitely or, or they haven't but they're looking for a new fresh take so it's something mm. that's been really healing for me in a certain way to constantly be asked the question of how can this be feminist and how mm-hmm. can you be empowered doing this um because every time i try to find a new angle on it um and yeah i think that it's it's very strange how people come in with this view of well the dom is in charge and they're calling all the shots and they're telling the sub what to do and so the sub is just what in this sort of mindless trance doing everything and deriving no pleasure from it and you know people be like what would you do if your dom told you to do something you didn't want to do and it's like uh say no (laughs) i'm here and and the things that i'm being told to do the experience of exchanging power and saying like you are in charge for this prescribed amount of time is something I find really pleasurable and I enjoy giving that up but it's you know the classic thing that we say in the community is that you can't give up power that you don't have Mm. so there's you know if if the submissive isn't you know in charge of their own limits and and they know what they're interested in and they're you know taking care of business in terms of their their self-care their identity like you bring all this stuff to the table and then you offer it up to exchange power it's not I'm a powerless person and I'm being overwhelmed by somebody who's not understanding my consent that there would be no pleasure in that situation yeah I definitely relate to that personally like just reflecting as you're speaking on that of the sex that I had before I was in a clear BDSM relationship. And if anything, though, that those sexual encounters were the ones where I didn't feel in my power. I certainly wasn't having a great time. Mm-hmm. It was much less consensual because I was just kind of like hop on a ride. Let's see what happens. You know, mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. see where this train goes. And most of the time I was pretty disappointed. And like, yeah. and like you mentioned earlier, like, I'd be like, Oh, do you want to choke me and slap me or whatever during and just like making all the classic mistakes. Mm-hmm. But then when you're in a, a healthy, clear BDSM dynamic, it's so, so fulfilling. It's so nourishing. Cause mm-hmm. like, I know I'm a pretty black and white thinker. I'll pull myself out on that, but it's so nice for me to know exactly what to expect and to be able to relax into the safety of that. And that's where totally. I feel powerful. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it gives you this wonderful sense of having the roles defined in a sexual encounter, like I think really relieves the the desire. I felt a lot of times having vanilla sex prior to, you know, discovering BDSM, I felt this huge pressure to be cool and like do things in a cool way and like oh you know I'm really edgy and I've got all this experience and like I'm gonna you know surprise you and um getting to do BDSM scenes where I'm not directing the action I get to sort of relax into this more vulnerable space of accepting that exactly how I'm showing up 
is what's desired and Absolutely. and I don't have to do this performance, which ultimately that sense of performance really separated me from like enjoying things and 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 being able to relax because it just it sort of takes you out of your body to have this like meta discussion of like how cool is this and how like porn is this and am I, you know, coming off in whatever way and instead it's just, you know, the the joy of submission is to just sort of turn all that off because it's like whatever I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely resonate with that. And it's like, it's so interesting to me how people assume that being submissive isn't feminist. And I think that we so often assume that women are just these vehicles to deliver pleasure rather mm -hmm. than being a vehicle of pleasure for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it really speaks to society's view on women mm -hmm. because if we just had a healthy, if society had a healthy relationship to sex and someone was like, oh yeah, I'm a full-time sub," you'd be like, wow, you must be loving that because otherwise yeah. you wouldn't be doing it. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. And that's, that's, it's like, you know, it's, it's, I go back and forth on the feminist question all the time because, you know, I want, part of me wants to say it is feminist. It is empowered. I'm, you know, I have sexual agency. I'm, you know, I'm in, I'm in a dynamic where I'm, I'm experiencing power in this specific way. And that's all really important. But then at the same time, I'm like, why does, I mean, it, why does everything that I do privately need to pass a test of, feminist theory according to whoever's asking me at the time and you know the, the right like the and our received all of our received notions of feminism are going to be slightly different too mm -hmm. right because um you know I think a lot of like the feminism that I predominantly had prior to doing a deeper dive into it was like you know um coming of age in the era of like Jezebel, um, mm -hmm. you know, and being very invested in, um, at, in this sort of like upper middle class white lean in Sheryl Sandberg feminism of like, in order to be a good woman, you must approximate masculinity, do it yeah. better and be like a corporate boss bitch. And so a lot of people come to me with that notion of feminism which is ultimately it's not really about equality for women it's about increasing privilege for specific women and yeah. so when you come in and you're like how can you have sex and be feminist it's like I don't really know what we're talking about because it's like why is that not why is that not okay and also why is our con concept of feminism so tied up in this sort of strange I don't know like plagiarism of masculinity why can't we like experience and you know not in terms of gender but in terms of like you know energies why yeah. can't we experience feminine energy as it has been like so maligned through time like why can't I do certain things that are deemed feminine I don't know it's, yeah uh, I mean if the sex is consensual it's feminist mm -hmm. like yeah, let's just leave it there and it's no one's business. <laughs> also, like as, you know, the great Esther Perel says, you know, uh, the erotic yeah. is, is rarely politically correct. And mm -hmm. we should be able to have space consensually to play in those areas. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's so depressing to me how, yeah, highly scrutinized and almost like regulated I'll say specifically femme because that's my experience sexuality is like mm -hmm. and and feminism because 
yeah, I was just having this conversation the other day on Instagram. It's like feminism, I think like the intent was that we can have it all. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of the outcome, to be honest, has been you have to have it all and you have to have it all, all the time. Yes. Like yeah. You can never let go. Yeah. There's no space for like you can have it all and you should be able to have just whatever it is that you specifically want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so tedious to me, like on a social level and then mm-hmm. on an, you know, sexual level. Yeah. I mean, sex that is and. And it's totally valid for other people if that's what they want to do. But for me, sex that is extremely focused on perfect equality really stresses me out because, you know, like I'm, I'm one of those people. And I think a lot of people with vulvas have this issue that like, I don't come extremely easily. It's like a very, it's a, it's an involved process. And I feel like this pre this, and I have felt this before this feminist inflected pressure where it's like, if I'm not having like six orgasms to every one orgasm that a male partner has, then I'm failing the movement. And it's like, I can't, I've never had six orgasms in one day. It's not going to happen for me. Like, let's just like, let me do my thing without it feeling like I'm, I don't know, like a traitor. Yeah. And then it just becomes this like oppressive orgasmic hierarchy and like a hierarchy where it's like, Hey, maybe for me having my partner choke me out and look deeply, deeply into my eyes and be like, I'm going to destroy you. Maybe for me, that's better than an orgasm. Yeah. In fact it is. Um, (laughs) but you know, it's totally and the pleasure hierarchy is such a thing. And that's, and it's also really interesting because a lot of my work has been around talking about my experience of really enjoying denial and humiliation and like these so, these aspects like what yeah when but once you go once you start talking about it people are like oh my god you know they're very concerned about you in this sort of infantilizing way and and or or there's this feeling of like well you don't really know that you're playing into patriarchal themes by wanting to be you know degraded humiliated have your orgasm withheld watch your partner have sex with someone else in front of you etc cetera, etc cetera. people hear that and they're like they're like oh are you okay and it's like also yes. what if it's fucking fun to play into those patriarchal things like don't yeah. assume i don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> and we all live with those themes all the time so like putting them in this consensual context where we have safe words is 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 can be really lovely it's like a way of rediscovering what has been non-consensual for mm-hmm. all of your life and now it's like if the patriarchy energy is stressing me out I get to call my safe word and then it's yeah. it's not there anymore so yeah and there's yeah, so much we're allowed. healing within the the area of recreating and reframing like mm-hmm. again just gonna butcher and paraphrase an Esther Perel quote because I'm obsessed <laughs> with her as always but apparently oh, particularly today um <laughs> how she says and it might have just been in a workshop I was at so I, I apologize if it's not a familiar quote but it was something along the lines of like prisoners rarely p- play pretend that they're prisoners mm. you know so when for me my experience of sex with every partner I've had before my current primary partner I didn't feel safe for whatever reason it was different for each one to be able to like say what I wanted and explore and take up that space. So Mm -hmm. to be able to play with some, if if you saw my sex from outside, you'd be like, Oh my God, is that woman? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But to be able to play with some of those, like not politically correct, not um, physically safe appearing Mm -hmm. 
uh, behaviors, concepts, and ideas in an actually safe container of consent mm-hmm. to reframe my personal trauma, but also like we're talking about like the social trauma of being a woman has been so profoundly healing. And if people would just yeah. fuck off and <laughs> like, no, yeah. act like we don't know what we're doing. Exactly. It's that's context is so key to all of this stuff. And that's something that I say a lot is it's like the, like the window test. Like if you're going to look in at what I'm mm. doing from outside the window, you're probably going to think, yeah, something, something bad is happening. Um, <laughs> especially when, you know, certain times playing with submission, playing with pain, um, you know, I might be crying. And mm-hmm. and for me, that's like a really cathartic, ex- like sacred, beautiful experience that I feel comfortable enough with my partner to do. I love crying during sex. It's during lovely. All day. Yeah. All day, all, all night, just whenever. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no. And, but looking at it from the outside, there's this sort of narrative that gets placed on it, but what the people in the scene are the ones who understand and know the context. And, and it's so subtle and, and it's, it is hard to talk about because, you know, we're living in such an age of people wanting quick answers and mm-hmm. yes or no. And like, is BDSM canceled or not? Which people try to cancel it on Twitter, like every two weeks. And I'm always tagged in it. And it's like, ask a sub, tell them why this is wrong. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll do it. I'll do it every time. But um, yeah. And so it's hard for people to understand that like, yes, not not all sex is good or, you know, necessarily empowering, but it's, you, it's sort of up to the individual to say what's empowering to them. And, and you can't yeah. tell from the outside. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what it kind of comes down to all of these things that we're speaking of is, and, and I'll speak just to my personal experience, but when I used to be a, uh, a sex worker, I used to do cam work and like, I loved it. The word, and I used to say the worst thing about being a cam girl is just what other people think of it. Like yeah. it's, and I think it's very, very similar. Like that's my personal experience. I don't want to speak to other people's experience, but from other sex workers that I've heard, like they all have that same feeling of like, it's society's issue with it. That's the problem and not what we're actually doing. And I think that really speaks to all kinds of sex, which kind of leads me to my question um, which is that I know that you go by an alias and mm-hmm. have an avatar to protect your privacy. So could you tell us a little bit about like why that is? Hint, hint, I think we all have guessed. Yeah, <laughs> society. Um, we live in a society and it's really inconvenient when you're doing work around sexuality. Um, you know, it's interesting for me because it is, uh, at this point, it it is definitely about like, I... I don't think that I have it in me to be criticized, you know, or judged or like, I just don't want to bring my physical image into it at this point in time Um, for a lot of reasons. um, One of which is that I think it's really, really important and great for people to assume that I look like them probably, Mm -hmm. which is what I think a lot of people are like, they don't know who's talking so they're able to find this sort of sense of connection Mm. and I think the moment that you put like a specific face on on something that's been anonymous um, people are bound to feel like something you know and so um I think like I'm really really protective of that experience of anyone being able to come to it and feel welcome and comfortable um and then and then another 
angle on it that's is like I've always been a writer. I've written my whole life. I've written novels since I was, you know, in the first grade and I wrote fan fiction when I was in so high school good. and yeah, and and I always was really plagued by this concern that all I want to do is write about sex and like deep, dark, emotional you know, taboo sexual expressions. I've always been interested in that. I've, you know, as a queer woman, I've like wanted to bring that into my work. And I have always had this major concern that like, what if I get published? And what if my grandmother reads it? And the next time I'm home, everyone thinks that I'm a weirdo and they're really worried about me and blah, 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 blah. This whole narrative of like, what will people think? So in order to actually have the level of honesty that's required for this work, I've had to just be like, it's not me, it's it's her and she's in charge mm. of this. So like I get to sort of step into this Lena Dune to be to just be completely honest about this one part of myself and just be like, here's all of it. Um, but yeah, then there are people things that people can't have, but not a lot. Like it's 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 pretty much just just me. There's no like voice, there's no um, yeah, it's just me without the filter of what if my grandma finds out that's beautiful yeah I think it's really interesting like we obviously have to have a, a mix of folks right because I think that does provide a really valuable service for people particularly that element that you're speaking of of people being able to relate to you mm -hmm. um I had never considered that it's really really interesting I think and as someone speaking from my own experience who does have my face and my name on my work like it is crushing a lot of the time and it is exhausting and mm -hmm. um you know on so many levels I have people ridicule my accent my face like everything about me um for me I find the familial part really fun and funny because now <laughs> like I'm, I'm really lucky I have a pretty great family um and so they'll just ask me questions. <laughs> so oh my like my grandma asking questions. That's like really cool. But yeah, everyone just has such a different experience mm -hmm. of how they personally relate to like privacy, protection, shame, mm -hmm. taboos. I wonder, could you speak a little to like why you think well, essentially like what are ta taboos and why do we have them? Yeah. Um, it's, it's so interesting because so much of kink is centered around taboo and, and things that you're not supposed to do. And, um, it, it changes with time taboo. And, and I think that one like perfect example is like eating ass for, is like, has been in the past, like absolutely not like very very <laughs> controversial like there was an episode of sex in the city you know from whatever you know the early 2000s where they're all just like horrified by the concept of it sex in the city is also so not sex positive on the rewatch it's the worst it's it's yeah um but but also i i will never it's stop loving it because it was my first introduction to anything sex related but um but yeah no so things these things sort of shift and change through time um and and even the words around like kink and and fetish are, are are used to sort of express something like is an aberration something wrong um <clears throat> but uh you know more and more as people do better and well-funded research into sexuality they find that most people have kinks of some kind and 
to be com- only remotely interested in, you know, I don't, I don't know, missionary for the purpose of creating a child. Like that is the kink in a sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the, that's the outlier. So, um, you know, there, there was a point in time where, you know, oral sex was considered kinky. Um, so it definitely, it shifts with, with, with time and there's definitely, um, it's also really individual. It's really cultural. Um, but yeah, for me, anything that's taboo is about sort of crossing over that line of like, oh no, I'm not supposed to do that. And sort of mm-hmm. for me, the excitement of crossing over that line, but a lot of people can experience shame in crossing over that line. So that's that's a huge aspect of sort of coming to understand your sexuality is reckoning with that shame. Yeah, it's a tricky piece too, isn't it? Because I mean, for me, like just again, speaking for my personal experience, I'm trying to be really conscious of, particularly in this conversation, um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be mindful of like not speaking for everyone. But like, I personally love like, certain types of humiliation kink mm-hmm. and I have this like ongoing joke with my therapist who I'm lucky to have a very kink informed therapist nice uh where I say like I'm just worried if I like play with a certain kink too much I'll just claim it so much that I won't even be turned on by it anymore because yeah. it's like not even taboo which actually has happened but like how would you, what advice would you give for our listeners who are like wanting to play perhaps with a bit more taboos in their sex life but unlike myself the shame (laughs) isn't eternal (laughs) yeah um I think that eroticizing your shame can be a mindfulness practice um but it definitely takes time to do that rewiring so like for me um uh, for example, like my cucking fetish, that's like something that's like pretty, you know, out there. Um, a lot of my friends have expressed to me, like, I would just cry if I watched my partner having sex with someone. I'm like, well then please don't do that. (laughs) But, uh, unless you want to cry. Um, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, for, for me, as I was approaching doing that, I had just sort of the same, um, uh, mind chatter babble about it. Like I couldn't possibly do that. That's not feminist. That's not empowered that, um, you know, that's like jealousy. What if he leaves me? What if he doesn't like me? And it's sort of like this, this like really repetitive narrative of like questions and, and then judgment. Um, and, and what ultimately like was really important for me was first of all, to take the actual kink really slowly, have your safe words at the ready, approach it really gently and know that like, even if you just get a little closer to it, rather than doing the whole thing, that's enough for today. And you don't need to like go all the way through with something on the first go. You can just, you can get closer and closer. But um, what ended up being important with the mind chatter and the shame of it all was to just ask the question of what parts of this are actually in my own voice, because mm. m- m- the way that I would advise a friend about something like this is in no way how I was talking to myself. I would be, it with, if it were a friend, I'd say, that's so interesting. That's so great. Where do you think it comes from? Do you think that where it comes from might inform a cool way to do it? Like it would be constructive, but the shame talk is not constructive, not helpful, not interesting. It's very boring and repetitive. And the more you can say like, this isn't my voice. So am I consenting to having this societal voice floating around in my head and um my goal for 2021 was to meditate every day which I've done not every day but pretty close (laughs) and like a a huge part of meditation though is like saying no thank you to thoughts that come in and that's 
that's the best practice I think for shame is to just experience like this thought is coming in, but it's not me. I don't have to identify with it. In fact, I can say no, thank you. And even if it comes back two seconds later, it's just no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. And just pushing that thought out because it, ultimately it's a matter of consent, how much you're going to let that run your life. Um, but it's not something that's going to happen overnight. There's no like, do this one workshop and now you're done with shame. But, you know, but it, yeah, it, there's there's definitely a practice there. Yeah, that's such good advice. I, and I like how you said it's a practice because I really do feel like it's a muscle that we have mm-hmm. to really stretch. And there definitely isn't like one destination where you're like, oh, okay, cool. All my sexual <laughs> shames are cured. No. Um, one of the, another piece of advice I'd give our listeners to is, is doing some journaling and just sitting down and writing down like the way you want to write down your king or taboo or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then one of the practices that I often give my clients is to then write down. So I want to, and let's say, I'm just going to pick something that feels really accessible. Um, have my partner slap me in the face. Room, say. Yeah. And then right underneath. So what? Mm. and then just keep well that would mean that I'm a bad feminist okay yeah so what and you just keep asking you it's like just having a conversation with your subconscious mm-hmm. and just saying like so what so what like what would it really mean if you did that and I think sometimes we get really caught up in like figuring out the whys about mm-hmm. our kinks and our taboos desires um and for me I've certainly experienced a lot of like just shitty comments on the internet being like, oh, well, you know, you must have gone through trauma yeah. or abuse or whatever. It's like, yeah, I actually also have. So it's <laughs> super cool that you brought that up, mate. Yeah, thank but, you. But also like this is one of the most healing things I found for it. And then at the same time, I think sometimes we can kind of over pathologize ourselves. Like for example, Definitely. give me an example from my personal life because I think that's helpful for our listeners. Like when I was a, a kid, uh, like a young adolescent burgeoning into my teendom, I just wanted to fuck all my friends' dads. <laughs> <laughs> That's the mood. <laughs> such a mood. Like I just always wanted to like marry them and fuck them and stuff. I didn't even know what like sexual it was. Like it's yeah. like, very, very like innocent kind of pre sexual knowledge idea I had. And I was talking with my therapist recently and she's like, yeah, well, it makes sense. Like you didn't really have any connection to like either of your father figures. So your brain sexualized it instead because that was like how it coped with it. And I thought yeah. oh, that's really interesting. That's really healing. And so sometimes it can be really nice to kind of mm-hmm. unearth that deeper meaning that like, so what? And then mm-hmm. other times, like, I think it's really good to just have a practice. Like you mentioned, you saying like, no, thank you of like, sometimes I just like getting choked out and it actually doesn't have to mean anything. No. It just feels good. Exactly. And it's so, it's so interesting because there's those two layers definitely where it's like the societal taboo that we've placed on certain physical sensations. Like, yes, you do want to interrogate where the desire comes from, especially if you're, you know, talking about doms for a second, like if they're in a position of power and they, you know, in society, and then they want to enact um, a power fantasy on a submissive, they they definitely need to interrogate that. But then there's also like a layer where it's like, 
I like the sensation of a hand quickly smacking against my skin. That's a sensation that I like. But people, of course, take the sensation and then the, the taboo comes and it's like, well, that's painful and you shouldn't like pain. And it's like, well, actually, I just don't like non-consensual pain. I can like consensual pain uh, because it feels different. But um yeah, definitely there's there's that layer of interrogation that can be really, really important when you have when you hold certain privileges. Like I'm thinking of this whole army hammer thing that just oh my gosh. happened. Yes. <laughs> like the elephant in the room. I actually had forgotten about it because I was so like, this is 2021. Is this what we're dealing with? I know. It's but it's like with with seemingly, you know, if you're taking all of the things that we've received from this narrative as real, and I'm actually not that interested in whether it's real or not, because we're discussing it like it's real. So we need to just deal with it like it's real. Um, You know, he seemingly was whether it's real for him, it's real for someone. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And people saw it and they felt a lot of things. Um, But, you know, obviously he's occupying this position of extreme power and privilege in society, not just being a white cis man, not just being extremely famous, not just having grown up really, really wealthy and still being really, really wealthy and having lawyers to make people sign NDAs. And there's this sense in the texts where he's sort of just just trigger warning. We're going to briefly mention these texts. If you don't know what they are, the trigger warning is around like consensual quote unquote cannibalism <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> um yeah so I don't really what else to label it, but if that's too much for you to hear skip over for the next yeah. few minutes keep going um so. no no yeah definitely trigger warning <laughs> on all everything to do with army hammer at this point i yeah. think he ruined also, call me by your name, name. <laughs> i mean well his family owns arm and hammer the baking soda stuff yeah i'm not kidding they own armand hammer and they named him armand hammer <laughs> so egomaniacal sorry so to starting that. there that, that seems egomaniacal to me even if that say. were the only thing that he was Whoa, dealing with he would okay. need to counterbalance that with his but yeah so when you're occupying those many intersecting extreme privileges yes. you have to counterbalance with with somebody you're entering a power dynamic with by making space for them and making sure that they're comfortable and doing extra work to seek out their comfort and when you see those texts real or not we've all seen them it's just like text 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 from him and then like okay from her and then text 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 and she's like questioning she's like this is a lot oh you're bringing this up again Mm -hmm. like for Mm -hmm. me if it's not a fuck yes it's a no and absolutely if I was the person in the blue text if I was Arm yeah. and Hammer, um, I'd be like reading it as a no. I'd be yeah. like, I don't think she's that into this. And this Read is an the intense room. fetish. Very intense. And it's, and yeah. And when you bring out a, an intense fetish like that, you need to make a safe container for it and solicit the person's consent or issue a trigger warning like we just did, yeah. which is like, how hard is that? You just say, we're about to talk about cannibalism. Is that okay yeah. with you? Or do you want to skip past it? And she, it seemingly from what we've seen, wasn't given that, it all and was also sort of he was this extremely wealthy famous you know handsome man is just dumping his sexual yeah. exploration on of, of like all the emotional labor just completely out of control dumping it on this person and yeah that's the side of it where like he needs to go to some interrogation of his yeah. kinks boot camp Army, and do some if work you're listening you can email me i will yeah. get in session with you and help you out bro because this is not the way to go about it buddy truly and like 
that's such a great point that you make about power. And, and this is just more of amusing, but I wonder really that someone in that type of a position could ever really have a safe power dynamic with someone. Like, I think that would be almost impossible to ascertain, yeah. particularly with the historical context, uh, mm-hmm. trigger warning mention of murder, mm-hmm. uh, of how many fucking rich white men have murdered women mm-hmm. and gotten away with it. Like mm-hmm. cough, cough, black Dahlia. Yeah. I just think that it's such a, yeah, that, that example I think is a really interesting one. Again, we don't know if, if it's yeah. really him or not, but it's really a situation, right? That someone's going It is to. such a, it is such a situation. And, and, and that, that's a really important example that we all have because it, what it has done is it's taken all of the privilege dials and turned them up to 11, like every single aspect that you could possibly have of like able-bodied, cis, uh, conventionally attractive, yes. white man, famous rich, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All of these things are turned all the way up. So I think as a society, we can all experience this yuck factor of someone leveraging Mm -hmm. these things. But the problem is that like when you take it down like a million notches from the army hammer level, you will still get people in Mm -hmm. society with certain privileges operating with the language of sex positivity. Um, and um, I think Bitch Media did a really, really great piece about it. I'm forget- blanking on the author's name, but that um, abusers will leverage the language of sex positivity. Oh and and, yes. and when people feel this sort of intense internalized shame about their desires, but they find someone speaking to their desires with this confidence, that can create this really toxic feedback loop where that person, because of the shame, is isolated from their networks, isolated from being like, hey, does this sound okay to you? Because, you know, if you say you're a sub and you want to get spanked and all of your friends are this style of feminists that think that's not okay, there is an okay way to get spanked. And there's a way to get spanked that someone leveraging um, Mm -hmm. privilege and abuse of power on you. So if you can't say, hey, does this seem okay to a community that understands that isolation gets really dangerous and so that's that's what that's you know coming back to like the memes but like that's like a big part of what I'm trying to do is tell those people like you need you you have an absolute right to own wanting this you can want it but you you need to exercise it in a way where you're being respected and valued and treated well because just because you like to be spanked doesn't mean you shouldn't be treated like a beautiful precious prize you know so that's like that's the whole thing because being alone with that shame is just it's dangerous and so that's and that's what shame does it isolates yeah i think for anyone listening like regardless of what your sexual like taboos and predilections are whether they're having the lights on while you're having sex or they're consensual cannibalism play (laughs) um i think the fundamentals of BDSM are really important for anyone that's going to have sex ever. Like any kind of communication, consent, boundaries, expectations. And I love Mm -hmm. that you're adding it's a piece I hadn't thought to add before. It's like community. There should be people in your Mm -hmm. life. If you're having sex, there should be people in your life that you can talk to about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because people Instagram. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because when you're when you're just making social connections out in the world, like I, I think, you know, something for me as as a queer woman looking in at straight culture, I find that the sexual scripts that are are enforced so strictly mm-hmm. um, among straight social groups. It's like, well, you know, how many dates before you had sex or Ooh. how many this and sex is always penetrative and all these sort of like 
things. Um, you know, as if you're an individual in that and all all your friends have to say about sex is is that thing, which we all know the compulsory sort of script around you know, vanilla sexual expectations and you want to go off the beaten path, they're going to tell you, well, that's, you know, you're not adhering to the one script, so we don't know what to tell you. So yeah, you need, you need some kind of voice affirming that it's okay to do what you want to do. Um, just as long as you're doing it with like proper safeguards. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, like it kind of comes down to now that I think about it, good sex, particularly, you know, when we're talking BDSM, should be should feel to you like an affirmation of who you are and what you're yeah. about. And like you're not compromising or sacrificing a part of yourself, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You want to feel seen and not yeah. like... And that's the weird thing about that sort of compulsory heteronormative script. Like for me, I felt very erased in that. It's like, we don't care what you want. You're going to, um, you know, if you're having sex with like a cis male partner, it's like, you're going to give a blowjob. You're going to um, fuck in this exact specific way, penetratively. You might like do a little bit of dirty talk. You know, he will come and then you'll be like, thank you for that experience. And that's the whole, you know, with different flavors and inflections. Yeah. Um, but, but definitely like, I felt like, my sexual agency my identity nothing was being solicited from me it was like okay we both know the script let's go but in reality like in especially in BDSM when you're sort of consenting to things from the ground up you get this wonderful opportunity to be like do I want to kiss first or do I not want to be kissed at all do I want pain first or do I want you know and and you sort of build out a script collaboratively with the partner and and that takes a lot of vulnerability to be like, I don't want to do this thing that we both have already decided is what's supposed yeah. to happen. I want to create something new. And it might be embarrassing. What if I say something that they think is weird? But like bringing that vulnerability in is like sets the stage for so much connection that can be really, really great. Yeah. And if you, your partner says something, you know, quote unquote weird, something that's not your kink, you know, don't yuck their yum and just say like, like for example like that's that's me with my partner like we joke that his kink is anything that turns me on and my mm-hmm. kink is see attached you know yeah um and there are plenty of times when I'll share something and he'll say like wow I feel so touched that you shared that with me I'm really not interested in trying that like now or maybe ever but I think yeah. it's really cool that you like told me so like mm-hmm. you can you know if you're worried about telling your partner something, maybe give them that language in advance. Say, Hey, I want to tell you something. It's totally fine if you're not into it too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like I love what you said about how kind of sex had felt before BDSM kind of came into your life. And it made me think it's sort of like, and this is speaking from personal experience. Sometimes you go to the circus and they pull you up on stage uh-huh. and, and you're kind of just figuring out how to go along with it and be a good participant in it. And that mm-hmm. was certainly how I felt in every sexual encounter before I met my primary partner. And I think good sex is more like you're in an improv troupe together. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're yes kind of ending. Like, yeah. You're yes. And you're like, yes. Wow. You told me that. And I didn't really want to try it, but is there an <laughs> element of it that we could flesh out and like do together, yeah. you know? Absolutely. It's finding that sense of like 
we're on a team together. And yeah. that's that's another thing that like in a way like that the pressure around orgasm equity can also bring that feeling up of like we're competing, not we're on a team to create something, a third thing outside the two of us. It's like, how much do I get? How much do you get? Is it perfectly even? I'm keeping track, you know, that and that that feeling can be really isolated. For me, I find it really isolating. And, and I know that that's part of the joy of kink is sort of sidestepping that like feeling of competition. Yeah. It's just like not a hot vibe. Like as a queer woman, I've really found that with like all genders of people I've had sex with, like with men or people with penises that I've had sex with. It can be like, well, I came, did you? Or like (laughs) they'll wait till I come so they can have theirs. Right. And when I've had sex with vulvas, sometimes it can feel so like turn takey. And Mm -hmm. it's like we, all of us, regardless of our sexual orientation, need to I think just come to a place of more like sexual play and Mm -hmm. yeah improv and have a good time like like we're saying the top of the episode like if it's sex that's consensual awesome fucking go for it like we don't need this scrutiny and judgment on it no and and that's that's what I'm here like thinking about like with that is that it's it, it's bringing a sense of play into sex rather than a sense of work which is like I get enough work from work (laughs) so maybe like finding finding like a sense of like play and joy in 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 sex and allowing the stakes to come down a little bit is Mm. is so nice because then you know that's that's another way to safeguard against the shame is like not be so outcome driven like you know just go into it not knowing what's going to happen and that that can be really nice I love that Oh, that is a beautiful place. And I feel like I could speak to you literally all day about this. I, I think this is, <laughs> these are talks that I think are very near and dear to both our hearts. Mm-hmm. We always end our podcast by asking uh, the same questions. I'm going to ask it a few, which is if you could go back in time and tell your younger self a piece of advice, it could be about sex. It could be about sex magic or anything that you like. What would mm-hmm. it be? I think that I would tell my younger self that, um, that she doesn't owe an explanation to anyone Mm. because what she wants to do is her business and people are just going to say whatever stuff they say (laughs) and it just doesn't matter and they're not even really thinking about you that much so (laughs) you know I think that she was very driven by duty and doing the right thing and showing up in a way that everyone was palatable to everybody and, you know, being an overachiever and a good girl and, you know, just saying like you define that for yourself and everyone else will see that and they'll, they'll be happy for you. And there's no need to perform what other people want. Mm. Fuck yes. The gospel from us, the sub. Well, thank (laughs) you so much for coming on the pod today. I know everyone's going to really benefit from, from this episode like regardless if they're into kink or not and everybody follow her i i could specifically didn't ask you didn't want to ask you a bunch of questions like if we're in unity we because she just like <laughs> gives so much of that content out on her uh, instagram and also patreon mm-hmm. so lots of amazing ways to follow you and also like in my community with some of my students i told them that i was interviewing this week and they were all like oh my god i'm so excited <laughs> So I know everyone's going to be super excited for your episode and I'm just really grateful that you came to record with us. Oh, this was such a joy. I've just been so blessed by the Himalayan salt lamp and the rainbow (laughs) and the many deep and amazing questions. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Lena. The Sex Magic Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a collective, a community, a conversation 
If what we do here resonates with you, I'd like to invite you to join us on Patreon. But what even is Patreon? It's an online platform where you can directly support artists and creators. In exchange, you receive exclusive benefits. It's a direct form of energetic exchange. If you'd like to join us on Patreon, we have some incredible monthly benefits, such as live Q&As where you can ask us questions every month and tune in to get them all answered. We also have an incredible Discord community where you can connect with other people around the world and talk about things within the realm of sexuality and spirituality, along with monthly resources, rituals, tarot insight, and crystal guides to help further your spiritual path. So if you'd like to support us and show us how much you appreciate the work that we do with the Sex Magic Podcast, I invite you to check out our Patreon. We have the link down in the show notes, but you can also go on patreon.com slash sexmagicpodcast.com.